Hi, this is Rosalinda, the host of Faith Fuel Podcast, the show where we hear voices of people transforming the world for Jesus. Pastors, leaders, entrepreneurs, and world changers. So sit down, relax, or keep it driving. It's time to get some wholehearted, wide open, and yes, sometimes side-splitting encouragement and direction for your life. So get ready to get fired up. Hi, I'm Rosalinda, and I am so excited for you to listen in today. I got a girl that's going to rock your world, okay? She's doing great things for Jesus. She's on fire. But what I love about her, just in talking to her privately, is like how real, authentic, and down-to-earth she is. And you know what? We need women like this in our life. Just wherever you are, grab your coffee, your latte, your tea, your $8 Starbucks coffee. You know how that is, right? You could have been buying that purse you wanted if you stopped buying those Starbucks. No, I'm just kidding. I buy Starbucks all the time. So look, today is going to be amazing. I have Rebecca Arguez with me. And Rebecca, I'm so glad to have you today. Thank you so much for having me, Rosalinda. We're so excited. I am excited. I'm thrilled and I can't wait. Well, just the fact that you said my name right, you are like my favorite <laughs> guest because nobody ever says Rosalinda. Nobody. <laughs> Rosalinda. So, okay, two Latinas on a podcast. Okay, are you Puerto Rican, Mexican? <laughs> no, I'm actually half Cuban from my dad's side and okay. Chilean from my mom's side. Oh my, so I have, those are two countries. I've been to 32 countries. I have never been to Chile. I've never been to Cuba, wow. but I do know that I love Cuban food. Yeah. <laughs> we're down in Miami all the time. Actually, I fly this Sunday. I am going to be down there. Wow. So, well, I'm I'm actually Puerto Rican and Mexican, but it's so funny. I look so American. I go order Mexican food, and they're like, "Oh, how did you learn Spanish?" I was like, "I'm Spanish. <laughs> I just don't look it." So, anyways, look, I'm fired up to have you here today, and. You and your husband, Pastor Andy and Rebecca Arguez, they are just called to train people. Um, your passion is training, equipping, activating, and mobilizing. I yes. love that. So you're not just telling them, but you're going to put them out there. Yes. And to mobilize the body of Christ in a supernatural evangelism, you pastor together with your husband, the church called Supernatural Culture. Uh, church in Georgia. So you guys are in Georgia. Yeah. <laughs> wow. What part of Georgia? I was just stuck on a plane in Atlanta. <laughs> it's about 25 minutes from Atlanta. It's a city called Norcross. Norcross. Okay. So I don't know why I thought you were in Florida, but I think you grew Were you down there for a while? Born and raised in Miami, 305. Oh, go ahead. Okay. <laughs> so now you're in Georgia. But it's, Rebecca has a hunger to manifest the supernatural power of God to this generation. I love that you ministered in a church, you serve with them, but you guys, I'm just going to cut to the chase. You guys like straight planted a church. Yeah. Did you hear the voice of God? Like what happened? So when it comes to receiving a voice of God, a, a prophetic word or any of that direction, we're very obedient. Uh, we've been married 11 years. So we have learned through the process of marriage that when we're not obedient to God's voice, 
things don't happen according to his will, right? So we opened the church three years ago off of a word that we received the year prior to opening. And the word was so clear. It was, you're going to get pregnant with a baby boy. He will be born in September. And in the same month, you will launch your church. Whoa. <laughs> okay. So you can't get any more direct than that. And is that what happened? And that's exactly what happened. It was November. We received that word in 2016. We're like, oh God, I already have two kids. I don't oh, okay. know. <laughs> and well, not only did the, you know, the prophet get the gender right, but to my surprise, I, I mean, I, I kind of doubted it, but it was that his due date was September 10th. That and is like crazy. What? And so obviously, Finally, the baby comes. He comes 10 days early. He comes on the 1st of September. Wow. And obviously, we're, I'm full pregnant months before, and I'm just thinking, babe, we haven't we haven't launched a church. It's going to be August. What are we doing? And long story short, friends of- Having a baby. That's what you're doing. We're <laughs> <laughs> having a baby. We don't have a church. And I'm like freaking out because I'm like, we have to obey. And I'm thinking we're going to create food baskets and knock on our neighbor's doors and yeah. have a house full <laughs> Yeah. And we're living in a country city, like far, an hour, two hours away from the city. And I, this is my my small mind. And my, my husband's like, you know what? Let's just pray. And I don't know. Let's ask God. And sure enough, within the week that we were in prayer and just mindful of what's going to happen, we received a message on Facebook from friends that had moved from Miami that served in our church, in that church, to Georgia saying, hey, um, we're meeting at our house with about 30 people, but none of us are like at a healthy place to take yeah. initiative and say we're the leaders. Do you guys think that you guys can take over? Oh no, I literally have chills listening to you because that <laughs> lines things up. Like, you just gotta say yes. Yes. And wow. so, of course, we went over, we met them, we knew half of them. That's kind of that easy. Oh my, God. my firstborn's nanny was there. I'm like, what are you doing here? Oh my gosh. So yeah. you're like, okay, you can be the children's church director. You guys are going to be the ushers. Yes. Security. We got a church. Everything. Wow. Of course, when we first launched our church, we didn't have the finances. So we just opened it at a garage. And uh, it's a funny thing where they say that every great startup starts at a garage. <laughs> yes, that's right. Our church started in the basement of our home. So oh. I was like only like uh, so little, like eight years old, whatever. And we have like, I mean, it was just like five of us and like okay. two more people. And I I will never, never forget and be so honored that we got to start in a situation like that. Yes. Wow. Yes. You look back and you say, well, God is so faithful, even through the little but well, we didn't last long in the garage because, of course, the neighbors started to complain. And I was wondering, I was going to ask you, what do you do with all those cars? <laughs> yeah, well, the cop finally came on the third week of us meeting. And th this was prior to our official launch. So we opened uh, the garage as a Bible study on Sundays. This was around August, right before baby was born. Nehemiah and um, the cop comes and says hey I'm gonna have to give you a citation blah 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 gonna give you one more week so ah. we wrap things up we lasted there one month then we moved on to a park and the park was 
chaos. It was almost a mile away from parking. There's no Wi-Fi. There's no air. You're in a hot concrete indoor building. Wow. And it was just, and there we launched officially on the 24th of September. And I was with my newborn, carrying him on my sling. And aye, I'm, aye, aye. And I'm <laughs> praising on the, you know, because of course we're a worship leader. Yes. You know, I'm the production on the cameras and I I'm got you. ministry. <laughs> you know what? I don't think, I don't think we get enough credit sometimes. I can see you here because we got, we're feeding a baby. We're leading worship. You're, you know, growing up, I mean, because you've been in ministry for a while, even before that. Yeah. It's like we do everything. I I really honestly don't think there's a job in this whole building. I have painted walls, girl. I have. I uh, I remember when the first thing was my mom was such a maniatica. Back in the day, we got brand new carpet in our church. <laughs> we planted in our in our garage. And she was like, you know, this brand new carpet. We had to vacuum it every day. We had to fold the folding chairs every day vacuum it set. but you know what i'm so grateful that i could say i was a part of those hard days but you're right man we don't look our our, our husbands and dads are bringing the words but we're back there producing the whole entire program <laughs> so i love that so here you are you've got two other children yes and now you've got this uh, new baby, which yeah. by the way, I got to say, I was scrolling you on Instagram. You guys got to follow her on Instagram, Rebecca Arguez. Um, you have the cutest baby with his curly hair <laughs> and my little Victor has curly hair. And I was like, ah, and he had little suspenders. I, I love those pictures. But you know, before you get married and before you're serving God, I want you to just talk to me like, what did that singlehood moment to marriage, like what was that transition like for you? Yeah, well, it was um, a big slap in the face for me, <laughs> to say the least. My parents were pastors in Miami um, in the eighties. And back then, you know, you just did things. You didn't really look for covering or a ministry to protect. And so my, my dad just opened up a church and so I was born and raised in the things of the Lord, um, but it was very extremist. My mom didn't let me shave my legs, paint my nails, do any makeup. And so I would come home with my nails in crayons. <laughs> oh, you were rebellious. <laughs> <laughs> so my growing up was very, very preserved. And I think there's good and bad to that. Sure. Um, because I was still playing with dolls at 15. You know, I was a tomboy, hardcore. My my older brother being four years older was really into like heavy metal and skateboarding. So I was into oh heavy metal skateboarding. <laughs> I got on a skateboard in my prom dress once and just fell. And that was the last time I ever got on a skateboard. I was like, what am I doing here? Oh wow. Goodness. Yeah, so when I met my husband, one of the things that we talk about in our book called The Naked Truth is that it's a scandalous testimony because he was my youth pastor. Oh, come on, sometimes. <laughs> now the truth. Ooh, if you're listening right now and you're driving, you should just like pull your car over. It's, over. Okay. it's gonna get juicy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so I never had a boyfriend. And so my thing was, I never got a boyfriend until I married, but my thing was, I, I, I doubted myself a lot. There was a lot of low self-esteem, a lot of not understanding why nobody liked me. Um, and just me growing up in this very tight knit 
community uh, where I'm not exposed to worldly music because God forbid I'm going to go to hell or if I'm exposed to some things and I, I, I get it. I, I teach my kids. We teach our kids there's principles and there's values, but then we also have to give them their space to make a choice and right. make mistakes and correct. So long story short, being a singlehood up until 23, <laughs> I never ever had a boyfriend. I obviously there was people that I found attractive and I wished in my head, man, if only, you know, they liked me. I even got questioned from a family member, what's wrong with you? Are you lesbian? Are you sure you're not gay? You sure you're not attracted to the opposite sex? You know, and, and those are things that I struggled with, even 18, even 19. I'm like, wow. Yeah. Yeah, why don't I have a boyfriend? Why isn't there somebody attracted? Because you're gorgeous. I mean, oh, thank you. Oh my gosh, I had a nickname at church. They called me Miss Piggy because I was overweight. Oh, they oh don't oh you're taking me down this road, girl. Because that's always been my struggle. So oh my gosh. Yes, and so obviously being tomboyish, uh, I didn't really know anything about looks or makeup, and so. It was just a struggle. I'm not going to lie. It was a struggle, yeah. you know, but um, eventually I found the Lord and I always had God in my heart. I knew God was present and I had received the gift of speaking in tongues at a very early age at 11 years old. I had an encounter with God. And so I knew he was real, but I didn't have a relationship with God mm -hmm. until good. I was 16. Yeah. And it wasn't until then that my mom transitioned us from a small, like very conservative church to now we went to an evangelistical, non-denominational church, but it's still very evangelistical. And that's where I met my youth pastor being now my husband. And I thank God for his life and also for allowing the Lord to use him in my innocence. He never, ever thought that we were going to marry. That was not Thing. You know, I never saw my pastor as, oh, wow, he's so guapo. He's so yeah, so fine. Yeah, no, I got you. That was a Lord. That was so God. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, well, being at 16, encountering God and having a relationship, God was able to minister to me in that area. Like we talked about earlier, depression, low self-esteem. So, real. you know, I, I want to just talk to that listener right now, Rebecca, that, you know, your story is connecting with listeners right now because, you know, when we grew up, because my dad, you know, when he got saved and converted, it, it was kind of not to that level, you know, in Spanish, we say, we say there's these sayings that we, we call it, not to the extremist, but pretty extreme. Like I was always in a skirt. We didn't get our ears pierced. So I was in the 10th grade, you know, but I was such a tomboy. I would wear pants under my skirt with my tennis shoes because I was just like, I grew up around a lot of guys. Cause as many of you guys know that are listening, we have a home for men off the street. So I had a hundred brothers on a ranch. So I learned how to play basketball and softballs. And I actually, I don't even think I really even carried a purse all the time till I went to college. And I'm, you guys can't see her right now. Well, you will they see her on YouTube, but you got them lashes going on. Like, I didn't even know, like you're supposed to get your eyebrows done. You know, now we have a two eyebrow rule. You know, even in my office, I'm like, girl, you better do your eyebrows. You better go get that pencil and I'll pencil it in for you. And I didn't, we didn't really have that, you know, but it's, it was, it is weird though. Cause my mom, she would really, she was into dressing up like heels and all that. So we did wear heels at a young age, 
Um, but I understand that strictness and I feel like people listening to you can understand how sometimes even um, going to church can be a trap and it can feel you know, so tight. And there are some benefits because I will, I thank God a million times. And I think that's what I'm hearing you that there was like, I was like teenager innocent. And I don't even know how God like helped me not know all the craziness, you know? And I was like, I can't believe I didn't get that, you know, back in the day. But like the Holy Spirit just protected us because he knew it doesn't mean that we weren't perfect by all means, you know, but he's so good. And then he had your husband, already chosen and already picked out so how long did you guys date before you get married like how'd that go down aye, aye, aye. <laughs> we dated officially six months before we got married oh that's good that's quick yeah it like, was okay quick, but we had known each other seven years prior that's good <laughs> don't, so, don't sit there and date too long because you're gonna fry let me just yes. tell you. Oh my be truthful. I tell people you're still engaged two years from now. I was like, uh, you need to put a <laughs> ring on that because um the temptation is real. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And that's one of the things that we uh strongly talk about in our book, The Naked Truth, because it's one of those things that people don't want to really confront. They say, Oh, well, I can I can hold it. I can't. Can you know, and me being a virgin and not even knowing how to hold hands or kiss someone. I was like, what is this feeling? Right. <laughs> it's overwhelming, right? Yeah. Here, you grew up as a good girl in the church. Yes. So you guys get married. And so you talk, I love that. So one of the books that they have, and, and I can't wait, you know, if you're a listener, man, get your hands on this. Can they get it on Amazon? Yes, they can. And they can get it on our platform through uh, Instagram as well. Okay, so the naked truth. And so you go from being single, now you're married, and um, you go, are you serving right away in ministry, or what's that transition looking like? So when I married my husband, I was, at the time before marrying him, I was the one of his elders in position in ministry with a net, which, which, how, how do we say net? So we worked with a lot of people. The church that we went to, our home church is over 15,000 in members. Wow. So my husband's responsibility was over the youth and he was overseeing 3,000 youth. Wow. So me being in his eldership or his leadership, I oversaw 250 young adult, single girls. Like, wow. Women. And so it wasn't that they assigned them to me. It was that I started with six and I multiplied 12. And Discipleship. I went Yes. And after four years of working up the ladder, you would say, you yeah, would yeah. the leadership. Um, I had the net of my, my entire group of 250. So I was one of those people where pastor, my, my, my husband would say like, what is it that you're doing? You know, I have a lot of elders that are married and they're in their late thirties. And what do you do it? Like, how do you? And so I got a lot of attention in him because of the fruit that I started ah. to bear in the gospel. <laughs> right. Now, were you married at that time or so this was right before? Okay. Okay. Yeah. I got you. Yeah. So then when we marry, I, give up the, the, you know, the girls that I was taking care of. And I adopted now the youth with him. And unfortunately, even though I was still in ministry, I was growing. I, mean, I don't want to say unfortunately, it's just, I got pregnant uh, two weeks after 
my honeymoon. <laughs> oh, Lord, you're one of those? Oh, my gosh. No, I know what you mean. Like, when I first took that first pregnancy test, I am crying. I am laying on the bed, and I am just like, ah! And my husband's tippy-toeing into me. He's like, oh. what did I do? I go, that, and I point over to you. And you know what, really? I actually, hold on, let me go back, because I have three kids. That was with my second one. Okay. My first one, I passed him a note down the aisle, and I was like, hey, you know, congratulations, daddy, or whatever. But I got pregnant right away with my second one. And I was like, ah! I was dying. Because you were like, you know, as women, you know, let's talk about this for a minute. Like, it is different. You know, you got a calling. Here you are. You're rocking it out with the youth. You are just reaching people, transforming people. And then it's like, whoop, you know, I'm pregnant. Yeah. You have this, you know, because you're a mover and a shaker. Look, I'm all about that mom that stays at home. And I love you, man. You are the ultimate CEO full-time job. So I love that. Yeah. But I will tell you, this is just my DNA. I know it's yours. I can hear you talking. Is I'm just, I'm like a mover and a shaker. And, and God just like gave me this thing. I got to be running. Well, how did you go through that transition there? With So it was such a culture shock being that I was a girlfriend in six months. I got married to a pastor. Then now you know, being a mom for the first time in ministry, full out ministry, I'm just like, I'm going to take a, a rain check on life, yes. <laughs> you know, and I literally getting pregnant was not what we wanted. It was really, it was hard. You know, when we announced it to our superiors, they were devastated. You know, <laughs> we announced it to our family. They were devastated. Like nobody yeah. was happy for us. They're like, like what? Oh, Are you crazy? Oh, we were living in, <laughs> we were living in one of the small guest bedrooms of my mother-in-law's house, you know, and she's just like, uh, y'all gotta get your thing together. And of course, you know, we were living with now my husband's salary. I was an unemployed person. Oh, <laughs> uh, so you're broke, busted, <laughs> pregnant. You're living with your your husband's mommy, you know, you're I got you. So and and you're also, Rebecca, you're living in a fishbowl. Because people don't even realize like when you are married to a pastor and and you always have to be on. You guys are listening. I want you to have a compassion for your pastor's wife right now. Girl, I could talk with you all day. The, you have total of three, but you really went through some struggles with your births. Tell me about that. Yes. So being a first time mom, being pregnant, um, being so naive to how to give birth. Like I just, I would ask my doctor, so can I eat meat? And she'd be like, stay away from red meat. I'm like, well, what is red meat? What is that? Like just so naive, my head in a cloud. Um, long story short, that naiveness opened a door and that door is fear. And I struggled with a lot of fear to giving birth. And one person told me, well, there's no way that baby's coming out, but there's only one way that baby's gonna come out and it's not going up, it's going down. I'm like, oh my God. And it would just strike so much fear. Yeah. And so come down to the labor where I'm now in labor. We waited 41 weeks for this child. One of the things that added to the fact that he was a C-section, a cesarean, uh, birth is the fact that I never tracked my period because I was a tomboy. I didn't know what that was. And so when it would came, it would be like, oh, surprise. Yeah, you don't even know how far along you are. <laughs> exactly. So I would give my doctor, I gave her like four different dates 
and assumptions. And so every time they would do the ultrasound, the baby would grow bigger and bigger. And of course, being that it's my first child, I make huge babies, massive <laughs> babies. Yeah. And I, they didn't know that. So when they would see the baby, they'd be like, oh, she's not, she's not five months. She's actually five months wow. and or something like that. So they would get it wrong. So finally she, the doctor's like, you know what? I have to call, I have to call it. I have to give her a date. So she gave me a due date. And based on that, I was like, can we wait a week? <laughs> right. Not ready. And so we waited and technically it was 41 weeks. Who knows if I was really 39 weeks. Right. To- but um, because of that, they induced me and provoked a lot of contractions. Of course, that's all artificial. It's not real, right? It's yeah. just because of chemicals. But because of the amount of Pitocin they put into my body, the baby itself started to get into a fetal stress, which wow. means the heart rate starts to drop. And so that's what was happening. And she said, you know what? If you give birth out of vaginal, his heart will explode. He won't take, he won't be able to mm. take the pressure. So it has to be C-section. And mind you, you know, I'm, I'm thinking I'm going to give birth naturally with no medicine, with no, and of course no epidural because I wanted to be strong and not do. Oh girl, I was like, <laughs> give me the drugs, give me the drugs. <laughs> yeah, when she told me, she confronted me like, who do you think you are? Do you yeah. think you're a woman? Who are you trying to prove? I'm like, I just don't want it. Cause I had a lot of people in ministry at that time tell me, don't get it. Cause I have migraines, I have back pain. I have this, that, and I'm like, oh God, okay. Oh, man. <laughs> so, people's voices yes they influence but of course i didn't get it and long story short i gave birth through a c-section and it just shook me it shook me because it took me about six and a half months to recover in bed just from that and i was was, normally it's just healthy there was nothing really wrong with me but just that experience pushed my husband and i to look for a holistic approach yes so so now Rebecca, let me ask you a question because you're a woman of God. You're leading hundreds of people. Your husband is a pastor. You're worshiping all the time. And when fear gets a hold of you, I mean, people are listening. They're like, wow, that happened to her. Yes. You know, but how, what, what did you do? And how did you hear from the Lord to get through that season? Because women are listening. And, and if you're hearing all this, maybe that rings a bell, or maybe you're struggling with fear in just a whole different way. Like, what would you tell somebody who has been kind of challenged by fear? Like, how do they get past that? Or how do you get through that season? Yeah, I honestly think that it, it took me time to heal. I was very upset and disappointed, but I realized that I was mostly upset with God because I had this expectation in my head that it had to be a certain way. And that's what really almost traumatized me to say, I don't want to have any more kids, Mm -hmm. you know, and I really made sure that I was not getting pregnant and I withdraw, drew myself from my husband, my attitude. And it was just, it was consuming me because I had not still dealt with the root which was the fear. Wow. And so fear provoked a lot of insecurity, a lot of these symptoms that we go through with our mind of thinking and doubting and, and questioning instead of just embracing it. So it's been 10 years since that. And if I can speak to that person listening that's maybe going through it right now, I can say that from the 10 years, I have learned to embrace the process without having to push and understand. and. Part of my testimony has always been 
God putting me in a place where I'm, you sit down and you have to embrace, like you have to understand. So my life has always been where I'm just find myself sitting and understanding. Like my father passed two months before my wedding. Uh-huh. I didn't know why he passed. He just died 54 years of age. He was primarily healthy. And then one day he just got a flu and boom, he died from pneumonia. Wow. So all of my life has been where I've had to just embrace it. So with my son, I am so grateful for that opportunity. I'm going to tell you why. Because of that situation, it pushed my husband and I to find a solution and not depend on immediate people. Depending on God and also depending on the resources that he's left us here on earth. Wow. One of the things that kind of pushed us away from finding his faith was opinion of man. And these are people that I trusted, people I looked up to, people in history. You're like, wow, how could they lead me the wrong way? But people are human. Yeah, they are. are, You you know what, your pastor now, sometimes people wanna, they think you're God. And so we can, we can like listen to, you know, we're pastors, we're leaders, my husband and I, and I would say, look, man will let you down. Make sure you're getting your trust from the Lord because God is who can come in and lift us out of fear moments. He lifts us out of pits. You know, you know what it is to be in a pit of depression. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, you, you're so fearful, you know, fear. um, It's like a sickness. It'll grip you. It, freezes you. You can't think. It gives you panic. If you're listening, maybe you're like, man, I totally get that. And so, you know, you're saying like, you're listening to all this voice of people, but what did, what did you hear God say? Like, what was that thing that helped you through the season? So first was to not depend on man, right? And really tune into what God is saying. The second thing that helped me personally cope through the the fact that I gave birth the way I didn't want to and all that, um, time was the second thing, giving myself enough time and just waiting in God in the silence. So one of the things that really edified my faith was I was already four years without giving or having a baby. Uh, my heart was open to it. I was ready and I wasn't getting pregnant and time would pass. Four months took a total of four months to finally get pregnant. And I really said, God, forgive me if it's because I, I, you know, obviously God dealt with me in unforgiveness and, and the areas of me being just, you know, taking it for granted or saying, God, it's your fault because this, that, and the other. So God already dealt with me, cleansed me. I felt that I was for the most part healed and, and cleansed. And so long story short, um, I get pregnant with my four, my second, my second baby four years later, and I come across this book and this book is the supernatural birth. Oh my God, that book, even if you're not looking to get pregnant, it's not, (laughs) it's not just for people that have want to have faith to believe God for pregnancy, or maybe that you're having experienced unfertility. It's a book that edified me and I am who I am in faith today because of that woman's testimony. Wow. (laughs) I love that. That woman, it's called The Supernatural uh, Birth, and it's by Jackie Mays, Jacqueline Mays. And that book, man, only $12 on Amazon. (laughs) You need to get that. Yes, I was like, thank God, finally someone who gets my language. Now, the funny thing is that this book was written in 1970s, and she's a hardcore Baptist, but she speaks. (laughs) Hey, you know what? Uh, Look, being an author and somebody that works with a lot of, a lot of authors, 
do you know how much prayer goes into books? Like, I don't even think people they take it for granted. Like nothing just gets laid out in a book that, I mean, I know today everybody could be a self-author, but these girls, I can only imagine if it touched your life like that. Now you got me wanting to buy that book. It's those old school books, you know, where people laid prostate on the ground and they prayed and they said, I'm not getting up until I hear an answer from the Lord. Yes. That's the kind of thing. Man, we need that today, Rebecca. We're That's in such awesome. a, we're having a little bit of an entertainment society book and we need things like that. It's real life. You know, I mean, it's great to have an entertainment, but when people are suffering and they need true solutions, and the funny thing is, is that God, ha there's people that God has assigned on earth to help find solutions. And sometimes we just need to like be open enough to receive that, you know? Yeah. So I read the book and the book really shook me um, again to the core, um, but particularly because God confronted me in the area of fear. And this is what happened. So the book, she talks about how God um, supernaturally would make women to not suffer in labor pain. And she goes and finds it in the Bible. Then she finally gives birth and she sneezes the baby and the baby comes out, 10 pound baby. <laughs> and she's laughing. Crazy. Oh I wish I had a sneeze and the baby came out. <laughs> you know, two minutes, like crazy stuff. And I'm here like, wow, that's awesome, fine and dandy. But God, I remember when I was in my labor bed and I was praying in tongues and I'm a pastor and I'm spirit filled and you didn't answer me. And God told me, you know why I didn't answer you on your labor bed, giving birth to your firstborn because you had something present and it was fear. And fear was the door of pain. It opened the door to pain. Wow. And pain was so more aware and more present than my, than faith in me that I couldn't battle. So I had to step Ooh. up. Ooh. Um, you know, Rebecca, I read this book one time and it was actually by Rod Parsley and it was fear and faith can't coexist. And I was going through a fearful moment in my life and all of a sudden it was just that those two little words and I just saw them battling in the spirit because how much, how much of fear is spiritual warfare? Yes. You know, if it was flesh and blood, we'd be like, good, we could just like knock that out, but it's not. And so if you're listening today, you're one of our listeners and you're like, man, I battled. I'm hearing Rebecca and, you know, here you are. You're a woman of faith. I mean, you believe in God. And isn't it easier to pray for other people than believe God for yourself? Yes. That's a whole word right there. Yes. I want you to just speak to that girl. She's listening right now and she's like, you know, whether it's her having a baby, whether it's she's in the middle of a marriage crisis, financial, you know, even found out some bad news. I mean, but she's got fear is gripping her. You know, I know this is such a Holy Spirit moment. I just know that this fear thing is real with so many people, but I believe, and I know you feel this way, that they can be delivered and set free by the power of the Holy Spirit from fear. Fear does not have to rule them. You know, is there a verse that you clung on to or some type of hope you can give that listener? Absolutely. So, you know, one of the scriptures that helped me throughout the process of my father passing was there's a scripture in the Bible that talks about not understanding God's mysteries. And the, some things are intentionally for us as children of God to know. And there's some things for us to not know. And those are the things that are found mystery unto us. But one of the things that I really am ride or die on scripture when it comes to is confidence. I really am strong, a strong believer 
that God wants his children to be confident. And this scripture is not super powerful. Maybe you've read it, overread it, overlooked it. Um, but it's something that I know is Rama for me, which is Hebrews 10.35. And it says, cast not away your confidence. Mm. It's simple. God commands us to remain and be steadfast in the spirit of confidence, in the assuring and reassuring and knowing that no matter what we go through, because we are sons and daughters, he is our heavenly father. And as a daddy, as a God, as a father, he wants the best for us. Mm -hmm. But he says, don't throw away your hope. Don't throw away your confidence. Don't throw away your faith. Because to me, confidence is not just, oh, I have confidence that I'm super pretty. <laughs> confidence right. to me is that I'm rooted. I'm standing on the rock of salvation. I know who I am in Christ. Even if I got 10 cents in my bank account, it doesn't make me who I am. My circumstances do not tell me who I am. I tell my circumstances who I am. And that's what God wants. And so for those women and men that are out there listening to this word, I pray that God enlighten you with the voice of clarity that maybe you don't know what the outcome is at the end of the season that you're turning into, or you're about to surpass, but that God's clarity and his voice speak even in these moments of uncertainty for you to say, God, I don't need to know all the answers. I'm just going to choose to obey and trust that you want the best for me. That's so good. You know what that is? That is a walk of faith and mysteries. Rebecca, I don't even think I've heard somebody put it that way. There are some things we're never going to know the answer for. Mm -hmm. You're going to have to wait till it's, it's, it stinks sometimes, but we're going to have to wait till we're before our heavenly father. Trust me. I'm going to have a lot of questions for Eve, you know, because we yeah. <laughs> so much. But those mysteries look, but we can know that we can put our faith and trust in God. We can know that what you said, I, I'm agreeing with you, sister, is that mm -hmm. our circumstance does not define you. What your past look like does not mean that's what your future is going to look like. Just because you're in pain and maybe sorrow right now, it doesn't mean that you won't have a set free tomorrow. In fact, together with my sister, we're just going to declare that over your life right now. Yes. Look, we're going to say no to fear. We're going to say no to anxiety. And we just declare right now that you are free in the name of Jesus. Jesus. And I want to pray for every listener. In fact, mm -hmm. Rebecca, I want you to be that one because God has yeah. delivered you firsthand out of yeah. this. And we are just going to, I'm going to be in agreement with you. And we are going to pray for every listener, whatever it is. Don't say, oh, she didn't call out my specific thing. No, look, fear is fear. So yeah. whatever that is right now, we're just going to break that bondage in the name of Jesus. Yes. Rebecca, would you, I'm just going to stand with you. You take the lead and you just pray for the listeners. Father, right now in Jesus' name, we come before you, Heavenly Father, and we just present, God, every listener, man, woman, young adult, even young, young person, Lord Jesus, a child, Father. We speak to the season that they're in, and we ask you, Holy Spirit, my God, the same way that Jesus on the boat commanded the storm, peace right now, we declare over that storm that you're in, we declare and establish the spirit of peace 
over you, over your mind, over your emotions, over your feelings. And Rosalina, I feel right now there is a viewer that's conflicted in their heart. I feel like this person is a young adult, female person. I feel like she is like questioning God and saying, God, I really love so-and-so. Why are you telling me not to commit? And she feels there's this tug. And I just speak to that person right now. If this is you, you're in a situation of turmoil in your relationship and you're not sure if this is the one for you. Holy Spirit, I ask that you bring a revelation and understanding and knowing God that if this isn't the one that you will provide the peace that if this isn't the one because you have someone better right now spirit of god over that man that's struggling that's going over financial issues holy spirit right now my god we believe that you have the solution we believe that you are doing you're doing a work on favor to us god my god and even in the moments where we can't understand because we don't see it lord send angels send your spirit of peace at night send dreams we invite dreams to come at night that will speak on our behalf, that will show us direction, God. My God, that our parents will speak, that our cousins will speak, that our family members will speak to us, even co-workers, people at a uh, gasoline station will speak to us, Lord. Father, in this moment, we find rest in you. We choose to rest, even though we don't understand, Lord, but that won't you remove the, the weight and the burden over them, Lord, the pressure, of not knowing the pressures of having to produce an answer to something they don't feel easy to produce. Right now, I just ask that you bring an alleviation, Lord Jesus, alleviate, my God, from that pressure, from the burden of the insecurities of not knowing God. And Lord, bring a sign, Lord, speak. Won't you speak in our midst, Holy Spirit? The Bible says that it is in our nature to hear the voice of God, Lord. And right now, there's two daughters sitting, standing in the gap for all of the people that represent and hear through this podcast, Lord. Father, we believe that you are merciful and that you are a God of movement, Lord. You will not, we will not stay in this situation forever. And give us the clarity and understanding, Lord, to be able to receive and accept that in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Well, if you were stuck before, I believe you are set free now. Amen. Your job to receive that healing now. It's your job to say, you know what? I am not afraid. I am set free. I feel the power of the Holy Spirit right now, Rebecca. And I know you were hearing from the Lord. And I believe today people are set free. And if you're listening today and you say, you know what? Man, you spoke to my heart. I needed that prayer write us in and let us know send comments and tell us how we can continue standing in prayer with you well this was so powerful you are a bundle of energy i love you i love your heart and you know what we need women that will stand up and answer the call you're doing that rebecca you're making an impact in georgia but you're touching the world for Jesus. When we raise our kids to, you know what? You're touching generations. So kudos to all those moms out there and, you know, pray over your children, get a hold of them, you know, especially with today's education and just know like whether they're studying at home, they're going to school, you pray the power of the Holy Spirit on them. And um, so I just love that you guys serve together. 
Rebecca has a new book that is coming out and you can actually pre-order it. And I love the name. It's called Kiss and Tell. (laughs) Woohoo! Don't y'all want to know what she's writing in there? I will bet there are some some juicy secrets in there. Um, So how can they pre-order that? So again, through our Instagram platform, um, so mine is at Rebecca with one C, Arguez, and then also through our Facebook page, which is Andy and Rebecca Arguez, or just Rebecca Arguez. You can find me on Facebook and on Instagram, and um, you can place your order through the link that's available in the profile. Okay, I'm gonna help out all my all my friends that don't know how to spell Arguez, okay? So it's A-R-G-U-E-Z, okay? Yes. But you can look at our Instagram if you're following along at Rosalinda Rivera. We're gonna tag her. So look, follow her and see what's going on. You know, I'd love for you to do that. I want you to share this podcast. I want to just share this for all our listeners. I'm so excited. I got a call from Charisma Magazine. It's downloaded in 110 countries. We've got tens of thousands of people that are listening to this podcast. But you know what? More need to hear it. So share the podcast. Rate and review it. Let us know what you think. Um, And if you do that, and if you share this post and you tag us in it, I want to give you a copy of my book called the seductive slayers of success. So tag and share this with three friends. We're going to look for the tag and it's an awesome book. The seductive slayers of success, harnessing your strengths to take control of your destiny. I've got everything in there from going after your dreams, you know, being an entrepreneur, managing your money. Um, I got a little stuff for the single ladies in there, a little stuff for the married women, how to keep that fire alive. It's every part of your life. Um, Those questions that uh, I said I'll have for Eve when we're in heaven. Um, (laughs) You know, she was seduced by the apple. We're still being seduced by things that are taking us out of God's purpose. So this is going to help you get on track, change your life. I want to give it to you free. Tag uh, three friends, okay, and share this. So we love you. Rebecca, thanks so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. This was so fun and what an amazing opportunity to be able to share a little of what God has done in my life to all those listeners. Well, I know it's going to bless everybody. And you know, the listeners, you know what I say, that when you put your trust in God, He will fuel your faith. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Get more at rosalinda.live. If you experience it, we'll examine it. If God's word says it, we'll stand on it. And when you're feeling faint, we are here with your faith fuel. I'm Rosalinda Rivera. We'll chat again soon. This podcast was brought to you by New Life for Adults and Youth, celebrating 50 years of restoring broken lives. If you or a family member has been struggling with addiction, New Life for Adults and Youth is the answer. Visit them at newlife.center.